day 58 of the story that changes everything. Our readings for today are Deuteronomy chapters 15 through 17 and Psalm 24. Here are some thoughts to guide your reading for today. There are lots of reasons to lament our deeply divided political age, but one of the more subtle but still destructive outcomes of this deep divide has been the co-opting of some important terms. I hate what's been done towards like conservative and liberal in particular. They've lost much of their meaning as they've become labels that we either wear or place upon those we disagree with. I've primarily grown up in Christian circles where people think of themselves as conservatives, and that's not inappropriate given the many things the scripture calls us to conserve or to keep. The law codes are deeply concerned with Israel keeping or conserving their unique way of life amid cultures and nations trying to assimilate them into their ways. Unfortunately, our deep divisions have caused many to then view the word liberal only in negative terms. In my line of work, both in the church and teaching in the university, just about the worst thing a person can label me is a liberal, which between you and me I've often found a little bit odd, at least on the university side of my life, that in a location and place where we're giving people degrees in the liberal arts that being a liberal is a bad thing to be enough of my rant. But the bigger problem for Christians is that although the scripture often calls God's people to conserve God's ways in the world, those ways are often associated with liberation, with doing justice and enacting freedom for the sake of the oppressed. Chapter 15 is a classic conservative but liberal text. The Deuteronomic Code wants God's people to carefully conserve or keep the Sabbath and sabbatical year but it wants them to keep Sabbath and sabbatical year as an act of liberation, regularly forgiving debts and enacting justice. Keeping Sabbath and the sabbatical year will make liberation and freedom one of the central virtues of God's people because it's one of God's central virtues. So built into the regular rhythms of Israel's form of life is the possibility of forgiveness, newness, and the reality of hope. Deuteronomy wants God's people to conserve the unique character of God in their life together, but not conserve the structures that hold people in captivity. From those, people are to be liberated. This chapter also gives the requirement that the firstlings and the firstfruits be given back to God as an offering. It is because God gives the best, liberation from bondage and a land flowing with milk and honey, that God should receive back from us the first and best. As Dr. Steve Green writes, Yahweh is not a God to be allocated scraps because he does not give scraps to his people. Chapter 16 describes the observance of holy days and seasons. This is the seventh such description in the Torah, three times in Exodus, twice in Leviticus, once in Numbers, and again here we get outlines of how to keep these holy days and seasons. But what's interesting here in Deuteronomy is that the new year and the day of atonement are left out. Only the three festivals that require a pilgrimage, Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles, are described here. These multiple descriptions of the holy seasons in the Pentateuch, again, are a reminder of how important being formed through worship, rituals, and the keeping of time was for Israel, and how that ought to be important for us. At verse 18, the text shifts to descriptions of various positions of power among the people, and how that ought to operate in keeping the community at peace and keeping chaos at bay. These instructions open with clear descriptions of how judges should operate. They are to judge the people fairly. 
As the text shifts into chapter 17, the concern is that judges would also help the people maintain fidelity to God and not pursue idolatry. Justice is never done in abstraction. If the people pursue other idols and other values, their understanding of right and wrong, of justice itself, will be shaped by those stories rather than by the righteousness and holiness of Yahweh. An interesting section begins at verse 14 of chapter 17. It's the only place in the Torah where codes are given to kings. As we will see as we move through the Old Testament, there's a conflict in the text between those who think having a king was an act of disobedience to God and another tradition that will see kingship as a vital method for helping the people stay connected to God. The text in Deuteronomy seems to assume that someday the people will want a king. It gives permission for them to have a king under certain conditions and rules. The primary condition is that they be a citizen of Israel. Then five rules are given. They can't have lots of horses. They can't go back to Egypt. They can't acquire a great deal of gold and silver. They can't have many wives, and they can't elevate themselves above other citizens. I don't want to skip too far ahead in the story, but interestingly, when the story of Solomon is told in 1 Kings, he will be guilty of doing all five of those things the Deuteronomic Code says that kings shouldn't do. It's likely, therefore, that either the writers of Kings made sure to tell Solomon's story in such a way that his disobedience is clear, the five things that the law said not to do, Solomon did. Or, these five things were added to the law later, probably during the exilic period, to make sure future kings of Judah don't repeat Solomon's mistakes. My guess is that it's this latter option. But either way, this text introduces toward the end of the Torah the tension we will encounter over and over regarding kings and whether we ought to think of them as good or bad, whether they're part of God's will, or whether they're the outcome of human disobedience. Priests can be problems also, but we will get to them tomorrow. The psalm for today, Psalm 24, combines two themes from our text for today, kings and pilgrimages. As the people of God ascend the road to Jerusalem, the only people who are accepted into God's presence are those who do justice, who enact liberation with their hands, and love the Lord with pure hearts. Even the king cannot come into the city and have the gates open, unless even they too come in the name and with the presence of the world's true king and lord. I know we've been reading a lot of laws and codes in the Torah, and several of these texts have been a little repetitive. There are some unique and important themes in today's chapter, so read them carefully looking for things you've never seen before. Journal your thoughts, your prayers, your questions. Consider all that needs to be conserved, and remember all who need to be liberated in our world today. Our texts for tomorrow are Deuteronomy chapters 18 through 20. I'll talk to you tomorrow.